Will Brees Hall end up in Buffalo? Also, some investigating on the fall of the Eichel Tower in Vegas. Do you believe in miracles? Because the Amherst sure need one to make the postseason. All of this with some hot takes, trivia, and more, right here on the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. We are back with the newest edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. I am your host, Joe Kelly. Alongside me, as every week, Dominic Loss, Mike Marino. Dom, take us right into that Bills news. Boys, it seems that the Bills are going to break the golden rule of drafting a running back potentially in the first round. Ooh. What, what do you guys, what do you guys originally, living this idea, what do you guys think about it? Um... I think it's uh, not not good. I mean, I guess the Bills are in a situation where they have the luxury to take whatever they want. Right. EPA, honestly, and if they feel Brees Hall or whoever they might target is the best player out there at 25, I mean, they could do whatever they want. But I just think running backs just have become so expendable and you can find value in the later rounds. Just do that. Well, I think it's interesting that last year – there was the rumor that they were trying to trade up in the draft to uh, select ETN. So obviously they've had interest in running backs in that first round range uh, before, so it doesn't surprise me that they're currently linked to Hall as it is. Right, and I mean, if you, any of you out there listen to episode one, you know my thoughts. I think cornerback the first round is the best way to go. Uh, but Brees Hall would definitely be a good pickup for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, me cornerback all the way though, I, I still... I don't know. The, the golden rule is the golden rule for a reason, and I, I don't know. I don't know if it should be broken. Here's my thing. You look at some of the best running backs over the past decade. Todd Gurley, he was regarded as the best running back in football. He was a high draft pick. He played well, but his career didn't last. He had an injury. So is that high investment of that high draft pick, that big contract, really worth it when now he's not even playing in the league? If the Bills were to do that with Brees Hall, not saying that, you know, you're going to get someone like a Todd Gurley right away. But is it worth maybe getting a few years of just great play and then that's it? Yeah, it's definitely an interesting conversation. Um, Chris Sims on his podcast said that he thinks the Bills are linked to Hall. Uh, he was around the Bills' love for Josh Allen, so he definitely has some uh, expertise in this. Ian Rapport just recently went on NFL Network and said that he believes that there's a high chance that a running back does not go in the first round. But rap sheet. But he did say that the one team to look out for was the Bills with Brees Hall. So, I mean, obviously the insiders know a lot more than we do. So if they're saying that Brees Hall is a possibility, you know, it's definitely interesting. And he's one of the next-gen stats can't-miss players. You know, every year they come up with seven players who are can't-miss. And usually they're, it's a pretty good list, to be honest with you. 2020 was Joe Burrow, Herbert, Tua obviously didn't work out, Isaiah Simmons... <laughs> Uh, just hasn't found his way with the Cardinals. Jerry Judy, Chase Young, CeeDee Lamb. Uh, last year was Trevor Lawrence, uh, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, Micah Parsons, Pat Sertan, J.C. Horn, and Tony, Darius Tony. So, I mean, that's a great list. And then this year is obviously Brees Hall, uh, Linda Baum, who's the center out of Iowa, Ian Hutchinson, Evan Neal, Sauce Gardner, uh, Kevon Thibodeau, and Iki Aklano. So, I mean, 
that's a pretty good list. So I mean, that's statistics, that's analytics. You know, that's kind of an interesting perspective to look at that he's a can't miss prospect in the running back position. Right, and I've seen honestly, I've seen these mock drafts going either way. A lot of them, fifty-fifty, I would say, are saying we're going to take Booth at pick twenty-five, the cornerback, and um, you know, Hall is definitely the other fifty percent. People think a running back, which I mean, honestly, um, I could see either happening. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see for sure. I don't know. I, my big thing is just with running backs being, I guess the word could be expendable, but just. You know, they tend to get hurt more than other positions just because they're used so much more. And I just think investing at 25, giving them that contract, and that pressure of being a first-round pick just isn't worth the running back unless they're truly exceptional. As next-gen stats say. I, I suppose. But, I mean, if if you're getting, like, a Walter Payton back there, like, sure. I mean, I've, I've always liked Brees Hall. Out of Iowa State, I've always liked watching his tape, but the fact is he did get a lot of touches at Iowa State, and we've seen you know these guys that have heavy workhorses, workloads in um, you know, college. That does add up eventually in the National Football League level. So yeah, that's something to look for. And then you know, is is this going to be a mistake? Are we going to look back here in a couple of years and go if they picked Hall? You know, will they like a redo? Like Bleacher Report says in an article. Uh, the, out of the last ten years, if one team, if a team could get one draft redo, what would it be? And they chose that the Bills would select uh, DeAndre Hopkins in the twenty thirteen draft, sixteenth overall, instead of obviously drafting EJ Manuel. So you mean the greatest quarterback of all time, EJ Manuel? Just didn't get in a position to succeed. What, what do you guys <laughs> think about? What do you guys think about that article? Um, I completely agree with that. EJ Manuel is a fraud. He never should have played in the NFL. Never should have set foot on the field as a starter, in my opinion. Um, Honestly made Tyrod Taylor look like a superstar after he replaced him. Kyle Orton even comes back. Does better than E.J. Manuel. Blew my mind as a kid. My gosh. I was 12 years old watching this happen all unfold. Could not believe my eyes. I was like, and neither could Kyle Orton because they played Detroit. Remember the laser pointer in his eyes? And he still did better than E.J. Manuel. So, I mean, I think DeAndre Hopkins all the way over E.J. Manuel. I agree. I think we only took E.J. because we were just so starved for a quarterback. Right, after and the Kelly years and all exactly. that. Yeah. So, and... The 2013 class in general wasn't good because no. Geno Smith was a second-round pick that year. And, I mean, he's still playing. He's in Seattle right now, but, like, he's not very good either. Yeah. I think his most notable thing is getting punched by uh, former <laughs> Bill, I.K. Ed and Polly. But, no, I think, I think uh, DeAndre Hopkins, looking back, would have been a great pick for us because, again, we were just so starved for talent at that time, so I think we really reached for that quarterback, and E.J. Manuel just wasn't it. No. Well, I think it's interesting because there's a lot of parallels to the 2013 quarterback tra- draft class to this one, but mm-hmm. there's no. So I was just gonna say, there's, like, no, there's no guy. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of talent. You know, EJ was regarded as like a second round grade, maybe even a third round grade. So everyone knew when he was picked, that was a bad pick. Yeah. Um. So there's no doubt that's a complete whiff, and obviously getting an All Pro wide receiver would be very beneficial. But to me, I think the most, on a value perspective, the biggest mistake the Bills made was the Sammy Watkins trade. Sammy was good for a couple years. I'm going to give him some credit there. But if they would, they t- traded with Cleveland. They traded the ninth pick, the first round pick, the following year, and a fourth round pick for the fourth overall pick, where they drafted Sammy in 2014. And you know, if they would have just stayed at nine, they could have got OBJ. I mean, that was a stacked wide receiver yeah. class. I didn't. I never understood the need to pick. I mean, Doug Willie's Doug Willie never understood the need to you know trade a, another first round pick to go up five spots for a receiver. 
if they would have kept that first round pick, you know, a shutdown corner like Byron Jones or elite pass rusher like Bud Dupree was there, uh, and then obviously they picked they picked uh, Ronald Darby 50th overall in 2015 based off that, and if they would have had the first round pick to pick Jones, who's a cornerback, shutdown corner, they probably wouldn't have went back to back with Darby and all pro guard Ali Marpettis there yeah. in the second round. So and they would have had another fourth round pick to do whatever. So I think value wise, would you rather have Sammy Watkins or would you rather have possibly had OBJ, Ali Marpet, and Byron Jones? Or Aaron Donald too. Or Aaron, you don't even have to have OBJ. You could have Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's. I mean, that's yeah, that's yeah. Class was and that was a Jim Schwartz defense we had at the time. Imagine adding Aaron Donald to that. Mario Williams on there too. Like that was stacked. The only thing I would say disagree with that is that there wasn't a need at the moment because right, they had because Darius, we did have that. They had Kyle mm-hmm. Williams. They had a good D line. Forgot about Marcel Darius. Oh my gosh. Well, like if you're going with a wide receiver position, anyways, like they could have stayed at nine, easily got OBJ, who's mm-hmm. you know who's, better than Sammy. Yeah, so, regarded as one of the better receivers to do it in the past decade, you know. So obviously EJ is a huge whiff, and like, yeah, I would love to have replaced EJ with an all-four wide receiver, but you know, I just think value-wise, losing that first-round pick for Sammy when you could have had a better player at nine, you keep your first-round pick, and you get to keep your fourth-round pick that could have been another player that you could have potentially drafted pretty well. I just think it would have changed some the 2015 draft for them too of picking Darby Fitia. So I think value-wise. That would be the one I would redo over EJ, which is just a stone cold whiff. But people whiff it, you know. People whiff that. Yeah. The trade is just it bad. Is what it is. Uh, just a quick circle back. I have a I have a little connection to Ronald Darby. You <sighs> know, I, I I I have a little soft spot for Ronald Darby. You know, he might not have been the best corner, but I have a soft spot for him. But circling back to the trade up, 2014, like Sammy Watkins went on the field. He he was productive. He had moments where he looked like he could be a number one. It's just. He just wasn't on the field enough to be that number one and right. wasn't consistent enough at times. Um, but just looking back at that 2014 receiver class, you're also forgetting um, Texas A&M alum who's never had less than 1,000 yards in a season, see, Mike Evans. See, but I wasn't going to say Mike Evans because Mike Evans went seventh. And, and the but Bills, the if, Bills... if you're still trading up for a receiver, they could have selected he Mike Evans. does have a point with that. Yeah, they could have if traded up for Mike. If they had their heart set on trading up to four... They could have gotten Mike Evans. You're right, but I, I still think the better solution would have been having OBJ at nine and keeping your first round pick for next year. Yeah. And your fourth round pick that would probably been about the hundredth overall pick or whatever because the Bills were pretty bad at that time. Yeah. <laughs> pretty bad. They were horrific. So I I just think that trade changed the Bills for two years because they couldn't have their first round pick and mm-hmm. it, in a position where it wasn't a win now. I mean, kind of a win now move, but it wasn't like Sammy Watkins put the team over the top. Yeah. So it's not like. You know, you were giving away a premium first-round pick. I mean, it was like 19th overall, but still, that's a good pick, in especially in the NFL draft. So I think that's kind of ridiculous by Doug Willie. Right, and no, I, I agree with all of this. But looking back on it, too, hindsight's 2020, right? We're saying this now after years of seeing how everyone did end up developing, like OBJ turning into the superstar that he was, you know what I mean, and all that stuff. Like, I honestly, I wouldn't have had it much other way because look at where we are now. In the way that our history built us to this point, I think we wouldn't be here without that. Well, absolutely. All we wouldn't have Josh Allen at the helm without maybe, all of these mess I mean, ups. Maybe. We might, we might, but still, everything fell into place pretty, pretty, pretty good. It all know? worked out, but mm-hmm. at the time, everyone was clowning the EJ pick. Everyone knew that was a bad. Oh pick. yeah, and everyone was saying this trade makes no sense with this lower wide receiver class to give up another premium pick. So I, I mean, I think at the time, people thought these were questionable moves. And obviously, history has shown that they were questionable moves. But I agree 
with your point too as well is that you know I everything guess, worked out. I guess those end. terrible moves led to you know the Bills getting where they are now, which is you know potentially very close to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So hopefully we win one this time, but we got to get through the Chiefs. Hopefully. Uh, so I guess the last talking point that we'll discuss is: Are you more excited about this year's draft or last year's draft? So last year's draft. I didn't sense a lot of, it wasn't as like, oh, the Bills need this. You know what I'm saying? Like, now we, we need BPA or we need a cornerback. Like, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I feel like we have more riding on this first round pick. And I'm more excited to see what Brandon Bean does this year because I really didn't know what he was going to, you know what I mean? No one really, it, football is now a year-round sport. And that's why we're able to do this at this time of the year, steadily week by week, because there's a lot of news in the offseason now that wasn't there before. And I feel like this year the draft is more hyped than it has been leading up to it. Free agency this year has been absolutely... All the trades, too. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Like, this this offseason for me has been the most exciting. Yeah, um, I agree. I'm looking forward to this draft more just because I feel this draft is more of luxury picks and BPAs, where last year I feel like we still selected some needs. Mm-hmm. And this year is kind of just filling out, like depth pieces and just rounding out a roster to make it even more complete than it already is. Right. And I mean, it's pretty complete, so. Exactly. Well, I also think, I'm happy that they're not picking 30th. <laughs> uh, would I yeah. rather have them be picking 32nd? Of course, because then they would have won the Super Bowl. But that, 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 you know, that change does, you know, give us an extra, like, half hour of not having to wait for a pick. Uh, what do you mean? The Lions are picking 32nd. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Okay, <laughs> smart one, but how, who do they get that pick from? Now, one thing that's not on the docket that I want to bring up to you guys today. Von Miller talking about how he does not want to be switched around. If it's a two-minute offense, he wants to be out there for the entire two minutes. Do you think Sean McDermott's going to fly for that? I know, I mean, I, I know he's a system guy. Sean McDermott trusts the process, you know, but Von Miller, I feel, you know, He's going to want him to mold around him. What, what do you think? Um, I think in-game they will still rotate like they normally do. Right. I think once it hits two minutes, that's when um, he wants to be in. At the end, I, don't, I, I don't think McDermott disagrees with that. I think at the end of the game, you need your best players on the field. And Von Miller is obviously, probably, I mean, I'm not going to say probably, he is your best edge rusher. So oh, yeah. He's going to be on the field with under two minutes to go because... Well, I mean, depends on the game. I mean, this might be a blowout. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But obviously, like, in a close game, you want your best players on the field to make big-time plays. So, right, exactly. Um, 100% he's going to be out there. Yeah, I mean, is he going to have time if they're trying to do a two-minute drill to be able to run off the field and run back on? Might as well just stay out there and use that energy to get the quarterback. Right, right. I, I just think the Bills will continue to do a good job throughout the season, throughout games, of subbing guys in and out so that they have fresh legs, so that they're superstars. You know, they're Ed Oliver's of the world, world. They're Von Miller's of the world. They have fre- they have fresh enough legs in those final two minutes to go. Hey, if you need eight, if we're gonna have eight plays of two minutes, like you know the Chargers game with the Raiders. Like, yeah. can you rush a pass or eight times? And the answer, you know, I think will be yes. And I think yeah. Hopefully, he comes up with some big plays to kind of swing some games for us in our favor. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be back with more of the Buffalonian podcast right after this. Are you guys excited for draft day? Well, we sure are. Join us this week for a very special edition of the Buffalonian Podcast and get our live reaction to the Bills' first-round pick. It will be airing this Friday. We'd like for you guys to come on and listen. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the show.
All right, welcome back to the Buffalonian Pod. We move forward with our Sabres topic, and we just got to start off with one breaking news segment here, a new addition to the Sabres family for Vinny Henestrosa. Joe, what do you think about it? Congratulations, Mr. Vinny Henestrosa, on the beautiful baby boy or girl. <laughs> I, I, I really I don't, I don't know. It was a girl. It was a girl. A beautiful 50, baby 50 girl. Chance. My opinion still stands. Come send him to the Amherst. Mike, you could take it back. All right. I think that was a great way to, you know, vent yourself, Joseph. So now we move forward here, <laughs> starting with some Rasmus Asplund appreciation. So Asplund, as we all know, was a second-round pick for the Sabres. Uh, he's 24 years old now, got another year left on his deal, and he's proven to be a very valuable third-line, fourth-line center. Uh, Dom, what do you got to say to add more? Well, I would... I don't think I think his days of playing center over. I think he's more of a winger, but I think, you know, every line mate he has this season, their defensive numbers boost. They jump up, which I think is a really great sign for an elite defensive forward, which he is. And I think, you know, every team needs that guy that doesn't put up maybe the elite point total like right now. I mean, he's ever he's on pace for an E2 game season of like thirty points, which isn't gonna you know it's, it's actually good for the Sabers because it would kind of keep his contract low. And you, some of those guys that are making the two, two and a half million dollar range are just really solid players. And he's very good defensively, uh, especially of young centers in the organization. Of you know, hopefully Krebs transitions. You know, with Cousins, their numbers have obviously jumped off when they're together. You know, him being that defensive, responsible winger, so you could let the other centers, you know, the young centers do what they want to do offensively. I think is really beneficial to the team and. Going into the year, it was kind of like, does he have a spot next year with Quinn Paterka? And now it's kind of like, I feel like he has to be a lock. Like, I think he has to be on this team next mm-hmm. year. He's proven to be a very valuable piece to this organization. Yeah, I know just in the last game against the Islanders, uh, only playing 11 minutes, 5-on-5, five five, when he was on the ice, there's an 18-1 to shot advantage in attempts for the Sabres. So you can see that he's making a difference in creating chances for this team and proving that maybe he doesn't put up the points like Tate Thompson's going to put up or Skinner's going to put up. But you need players to fill their roles and you can't have every player be one-dimensional. You need those multi-dimensional players that can do the work that they don't maybe get all the notoriety for, but it needs to be done. Um, I just want to bring up, I know you're big into analytics and those defensive forwards. If I'm If I'm not mistaken... You did like a Johan Larson when he was on the Sabers. I, I, you know, Asplund obviously just that's not just because they're Swedish, but uh, <laughs> but it, he reminds me of a lot of them, a lot of Larson, like a very good defensive. Obviously, Asplund's more of a winger. I said, you know, before I don't know if I said this on the spot, but just general conversation, I would love to. I think Larson's a free agent. I'd love to have him back at, to fill that fourth line center role because he still, you know, puts a very good defensive metrics. He's another one of those guys that like immediately when he left. People were like, oh, we miss him. And, you know, no one was, like, rooting for him to stay at the time. And now that he's gone, you know, he obviously had an impact on you know, the fans. And I, th- I just think they're underrated by the point. In the NHL, I feel like general fans just look at point totals for, to define if it's a good or a bad player. And, that, and you know, that, some of that is the case. But, you know, in Aspen's case, you know, his value was more than just the box score. Yeah. You know, as you said, he was 18-1 to 1 in shot attempts. The one attempt for the Islanders was blocked. So that means he gave no, you know, 
non-blocked attempts in 11, I mean, 11 minutes on 5-5 five five is 11 minutes on 5-5. Five five. That's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty long, not a long time, but... Good, decent amount. That's a good, decent amount. And he plays PK, so he has, you know, special teams value as well to this team. I just, any center, the young centers, any lineman, lineman, excuse me, just gets their defensive numbers boosted, and it's an important piece to have in this organization. Yeah, um, I know, Joe, you want to add anything to this? Yeah, I mean, along with what Dom said, I mean, he's 24, he fits the core age of the team, and his contract's only 825000 a year, and he's an RFA after his deal expires, so, I mean... Which is after next year. So. Yeah, he's only got one year left, and it's rather inexpensive. Absolutely, it's definitely a yeah. value contract, but him being an RFA, you know, the Sabres still have, you know, inclusive, exclusive rights to him, so... Again, it probably won't be super expensive, probably like in the 2 to $3 million range, which is, for his value, a good deal for the Sabres. Yeah, I know we've been talking a lot right now about being underrated. We could say that the Sabres have been underrated after the All-Star break. Their point pace has been much better after the All-Star break. So they're on like an 86-point pace. That's not playoffs, but with an improved goaltending and just some more additions, they could be fighting for a playoff spot. And for the East, that's going to be difficult because now there's eight teams in the Eastern Conference that have 100 points. Yeah, yeah, first time ever. Yeah, and that's, you know, it's tough because that just shows how even the playing field is, especially for the Sabres to potentially make the playoffs. Um, all the teams are right at, like, who would, who do you think would have to not perform like who who would get us into the playoffs next year by not who, who doing would have well? to drop out? who would drop out um that's that's a good question i would say there's a couple teams that i think are just going to automatically probably be in florida tampa carolina toronto still has their core um i i think there's three teams uh based off age like at some point or another like boston washington pittsburgh those three teams eventually i feel like have to decline at some point, but they're just against Father Time, I guess. I don't really understand that. I guess the other team, too, if you're not talking about just age, per se, would be the Rangers, because Sturkin is having, like, an 11 wins above replacement season for goalie, and we all know goalies have are very, you know, up and down, and he's a great goaltender, no doubt, but I doubt he has that same kind of year, so that could impact their points. I don't think they're going to be as good a team, but I mean, obviously, the Rangers, with their play, I, I think, is a team... Uh, I had to pick a team between the three of Boston, Washington, Pittsburgh. I probably would put Pittsburgh, just because uh, obviously their core is aging. Malkin and Latang are free agents, at UFAs after this year, so it's not a guarantee that either one of those players will be back. So I can definitely see them taking a step forward. It just matters then will Buffalo be the team to take the step up into that role? Yeah, I honestly I agree with uh, Pittsburgh because you're right. They are their their core is compared to our team not very. You know, well, like ten years, like 10 there's years a ten year, yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, the Sabers. Everyone's been talking about the Sabers for the past, what? What would you say? Half the season since Don Granado really took over and really turned that team around. I mean, it's the Sabers are the young hot team that's going to replace the Pittsburghs with the older core. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's kind of my take on it. I think they're getting a lot of publicity after the Eichel. Yeah, after be- that because moment, they've done better after they've traded Eichel away and all. Of well, because the Eichel ha- Eichel game happens, then the Heritage Classic game happens on national television. Mm-hmm. RJ Knight, um, and they're fun to watch for the first time in a very long time. I know, like you said, 
last podcast, it's like sad to see the season go for the first time in a long time. Like you want them to keep playing. Yeah, and you know, as Mike said with the, you know, after the All-Star break is a 35-game sample, so that's about half the season, and an 86-point pace is pretty good, especially when you have this young of core, you know, someone's probably bound to make another Thompson-esque jump, uh, along with maybe, you know, a better, you know, defenseman pairing for power, a full year of power, mm-hmm. a full year of Samuelson, better goaltending. There's no doubt that I think this pace is sustainable, that they could get to you know, the nine, the mid-90s pace, it just then, if all eight teams get 100 points like they did this year, there's no chance. I don't I don't think that's realistic for the Sabres to get 100 points. I think their, their ceiling next year, if they make the right moves and some people make jumps, would be like 95 points, which would be like a wild card in most, um, obviously, most seasons except this one. Well, we see, yeah, like eight teams making 100 points, that's not going to happen every year. No. You know, that's an exception. Like, look at the West. They're still battling for that last wildcard spot. Vegas and Dallas, they're they're going to be playing. Yeah. Um, that's the fall a huge of the game. Eichel Tower. Exactly. If Vegas loses in regulation, they're done. So, since that Eichel trade, it's like everyone's like, oh, Jack Eichel's going to be this elite guy. He's really going to boost Vegas, and they're really going to be a cup contender. Ever since he's got there, they've really been average. Honestly, he's just been exposed as the bum scumbag he really is, in my opinion. You know, I, I mean, he he was a cancer in the locker room here. Um, and as soon as he's gone, look at you get a guy like Tuck, you know, wants to be here, wants to be here, wants that leadership spot. He's got to see next year, in my opinion. And that locker room presence is somewhere everyone wants to be. They want to be here. Unlike the cancer he created when he was here. Well, I think to your point, Michael, about, you know, looking compared to the West, the East, you know, 79 games in for the stars, they have 93 points. That's the eight seed. So they're probably on like a 97, 98 point kind of pace-ish, so, I mean, still 95 might not get him in, but on a good year, maybe it does. Um, obviously, it's, an, it's you know, it's an important day, you know, for Buffalo sports fans with this, you know, this game. With, you know, as you said, if Dallas wins some regulation, Vegas is done, and all of a sudden, that pick that, you know... Top 10 protected. Top 10, top 10 protected, but I think going into the year, if you said that pick put possibly the 16th overall pick, I think all of us would sign up for that, you know, immediately. Yeah. No, um... I think, for once, I can say, in my life, I would be rooting for the Dallas Stars. <laughs> the foot was still in I the I think place. everyone in Buffalo will be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I don't just... I, I don't think everyone in Buffalo. I think every hockey fan, other than Vegas fans, are rooting. You got a point there. 100%. Yeah, 100%. I, I think everyone is very... Well, you know, Jack Eichel pulling the Tony Snell of the 0 just not doing anything. Yeah. You know, he hasn't showed up in big games. They're around 500 with him. Um, you know, he's still a good player, but the Sabres definitely have, you know, holding out, have definitely done well for themselves in that trade, and hopefully the value of that first-round pick, you know, stays at 16, and somehow, but, you know, Dallas gets a job at night, and we don't have to stress about it anymore. Yeah, so we just, it's just so funny, you know, we look back, everyone's saying how we just got completely blown out of the water in that trade, it was so one-sided that Eichel was a steal, but now looking back on it, we see that maybe it's more even, and maybe we even have an advantage now that that. I pick, say we won. Now that that pick has a chance to be a lottery pick, mm-hmm. that just gets it even more valuable. And Tuck has emerged as a top line forward. Krebs is still developing into what we hope to be a great playmaker. I just think overall the trade's more even, and Kevin Adams is looking like a smart guy right now. Yeah, definitely getting a first round pick that could be sixteenth, as you said, and another second round pick. I mean, those are even if you don't make those selections, those are assets to move for players to fit other like a goaltender like the 
powered pairing. So, um, just a very excited time to root for a villain for Buffalo right now. Exactly. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a great time to be a Sabres fan right now. So, all right, we're going to move forward to our next topic, so we'll be right back after this. Are you guys excited for draft day? Well, we sure are. Join us this week for a very special edition of the Buffalonian podcast and get our live reaction to the Bills' first-round pick. It will be airing this Friday. We'd like for you guys to come on and listen. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the show. All right, we are back with a very special segment for today's episode, Dom's Rundown. Dom, what do you have for us today? Well, we'll talk to some Amherst at first. Uh, the Amherst last three games have only collected one of the possible six points, which, as Joe said in his opening, they need a miracle, a miracle excuse me, uh, to make the playoffs after getting swept actually by Cleveland uh, 4-2 and 2-0. So just a really brutal weekend uh, for the Amherst playoff hopes. Um, so, if, you know, if your listeners don't know, to make the playoffs, you had to be a top-five team in your division based on point percentage, not points. This is because of COVID. People don't, you know, every team doesn't play the same amount of games because if they canceled because of COVID, it was, they didn't make it up. So they're currently sixth. The only team that they could catch is the Toronto Marlies, who are fifth. Um, and in order for this to happen... The Amherst have one game left. They have a home game this Friday against Utica. Um, if they win that game, they will make the playoffs if Toronto, in their last three games, collect three points or less. If they lose to Utica, Toronto just needs to collect two points and they will make the playoffs. So the odds are incredibly slim for the Amherst. I think I read somewhere that if you do all the scenarios, they have about a 15% chance of making the playoffs. So very tough that they've kind of fallen apart here, and they probably won't get the experience for uh, J.J. Paterka and Quinn, Jack Quinn to potentially play in a postseason uh, format style. Um, so then, you know, talking about the Amherst and their long odds to make the playoffs, we'll segue here to some Buffalo Bands talk. First time talk about the Buffalo Bands on this podcast. Woo! Uh, woo woo. <laughs> um, a little bit of a different conversation. The Bandits are 14-3 and this season. They are tops in all of the National uh, Lacrosse League. It's very just an unbelievable season. So wait, actually, interrupt the rundown real quick. Just a quick question, and the viewers might have the same question. You know, this is called Dom's Rundown, not Dom's Rundown with Joe's interruptions, <laughs> but go ahead. So is a lacrosse season... Like a football season, smaller amount of games, not like a hockey season is extended. Like not 40 games, we're like talking 18 games. 18 games. 18 okay. game season. All right. So this, this is the last game coming up this Saturday. Uh, it is a home game at KeyBank, so if you want to see a playoff team at KeyBank Center, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Bandits are in town. They're actually playing uh, Toronto, who is actually has the second best record in the National Lacrosse League at 12-5. and five. Uh, Obviously the Bandits are 14-3. They're just coming off an 18-9 road win against Georgia. Uh, they're seven and one at home this year. Of course, the only game they've lost at home uh, was their last game against New York. They lost uh, fifteen to twelve. I actually caught that game on ESPN too. Just changed channels and all of a sudden the band's game's on. I don't know. They had some kind of deal. That's very exciting. That's actually pretty cool. Um, so the last game is the home opener against Toronto, and the Bandits have two hundred forty goals. They've scored two hundred forty goals which is the most in the league by 43 goals, which is just truly remarkable how ex offensive explosion this team has, uh, led by Dane Smith, who has 41 goals, and Josh Burns, who has 35 goals. So a tremendous season for the Bandits. Uh, so obviously, I will just then quickly say the playoff format is 
four teams from the East uh, division make it, three teams from the West, and then there's like a wild card team because I guess the uh, looking at the standings, the West is not as good as the East, so there's a wild card team. Um, so then eight teams make it. The quarterfinals will be single elimination. That will probably be in Buffalo. Uh, not probably. That will definitely be in Buffalo. And then the semifinals and finals are a best of three format. So there's playoff lacrosse happening in Buffalo this uh, year, and we're gonna get some playoff a team a playoff team in Keybank Center. So the Amherst need a miracle to make it, but the Bands are the top dog, and it's an exciting time for. Uh, you know, sports and around that are related to Western New York, related to the, our Buffalonians uh, that aren't Bills and Sabres related. So that concludes the downs are undown with Joe's interruptions. We are, we will come back for you for an intense Bills discussion next on the Buffalonian podcast. Yes, and if you guys like that, please let us know, and uh, we'll be right back. Are you guys excited for draft day? Well, we sure are. Join us this week for a very special edition of the Buffalonian Podcast and get our live reaction to the Bills' first-round pick. It will be airing this Friday. We'd like for you guys to come on and listen. Thank you, and enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Buffalonian Podcast. Another three-man discussion this week. This week, we're going to be diving into the topic of who will be on the Bills' roster in five years. Obviously, this is a very relevant topic uh, with the draft coming up. You know, people are going to be drafted to probably replace other people on the roster, add talent on the roster. So it's a very interesting discussion. Um, from 2017, uh, if you count the people that are drafted, we're not counting the people that we project are going to be drafted because we don't know their impact on the team. I think that's unfair. But Trey White was a first-round pick. They just signed Jordan Porter. They just drafted Matt Milano. They just signed Micah Hyde. They just drafted Deion Dawkins. Reed Ferguson was on the team. And then I guess we could also count... Taiwan Jones and Shaq Lawson, even though they left and came back. That seems kind of weird, but so about eight guys from five years ago are still on the roster in some capacity. Um, so, gentlemen, are we ready to dive in, discuss? I'm ready. Yeah, I'm good. You want to take it away? You want to start? Mm-hmm. All right, so my list is 13 players. Uh, 13 players that I think will be on the roster or have more than or at least a 50-50 chance of being on the roster. So first, I think I should talk about my notable omissions. Uh, my notable omissions are Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, Mitch Morris, Devin Singletary. I think those are the six names that people would immediately turn to that aren't... I guess Von Miller, too. I know he's signed for six years, but... They'll probably trade him at some point. That's really mm-hmm. a three-year de- That's a three-year deal, really. So, I guess if you want to count him for, like, another seventh... Those are legit them. all players I did not have on my list. Did either. not have? No. How about you? Uh, I'm, the only one I could maybe argue is Singletary. Singletary? Yeah, I guess that's Because I think all the yeah. other ones would retire. I think Singletary is the only one that would still be playing. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because Singletary- yeah, he is on the younger side, definitely, yeah. You know, Singletary's been inconsistent. Morris, obviously, with the concussion history, I think, is uh, likely to not be playing at age 35. Obviously, you have poor and high getting up there in age. Edmonds- I think Singletary will depend on this season. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, Edmonds... How he plays. Edmonds, he's probably going to get the bag. And Milano, um, he'll be his age 33. He has injury history. Um... I don't know. I don't, and also playing off-ball linebackers in an incredibly valuable position in the NFL. So I think those guys are out. So we'll we'll go bomb to the top. 50-50. Guys that I think have a 50-50 chance of being on the roster in five years. Uh, mine are Dane Jackson, Ryan Bates, Tim Settle, and Spencer Brown. Thoughts? I think Spencer Brown's. I think he'll definitely be here on the younger side. Very good on the O-line. Um 
Sorry, I'm already blanking on who else you said. Can you repeat? Tim Settle, Ryan Bates, Dane Jackson. I think Ryan Bates might be here. Um, you know, uh, I don't know about Tim, though. I, not 100% on that one. But uh, Ryan Bates and um, Spencer, Spencer Brown. Brown. I'm blanking on names. Spencer Brown, are, I think I think they'll be here. I think they're all going to be here except for Bates. I think Brown will probably be a starter. He'll be the starting right tackle. Tim Settle will just fit into that rotation. He'll still be, what, 29 years old at that point. And yeah, Dane Jackson, Dane Jackson will probably be that number two, number three corner. Well, yeah, all those guys are between the ages of 29 and are going to like their age 31 season. Um, I just think Dane Jackson's going to have a Levi Wallace career of just kind of just being on the roster as yeah. the depth corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Settle, I think I'm a huge Tim Settle guy. I think he's going to break out and earn another contract with the Bills. I think that will take him past the five years. Spencer Brown, the reason why I have him as 50 50 is because he's obviously has very raw potential. And yeah. if he doesn't develop he's properly. He's a little reckless, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't develop properly, he could be out. So I don't want to like. And then, obviously, Ryan Bates. I know you don't have him. Ryan Bates signed a four-year deal. He seems like a very good locker room guy. Solid second to third guard on your team, so he'd probably need a new contract. But Yeah, not Bobby Hart. He's about 30 years old. Yeah, not Bobby Hart. He's about 30 years old, so I think that would be a good one. On to my next tier, I would say, of semi-locks. This is about... Like 75, 25? This is about 65. 65, 70. 70. You know, we'll go 70. I had to make it difficult. Odd numbers. Yeah, I had to make it a little hard for you guys. Uh, I have four players also in this tier. I have Dawson Knox, Gabe Davis, Taron Johnson, and Tyler Bass. I'm going to be honest with you. I see, I see Bass being here. Mm-hmm. I see him as a lock. Honestly, he's been very consistent. Um, uh, I also see Dawson Knox if they can get him restructured in the cap and all of that. I see him. He had a breakout season this season, and even Gabe Davis. I'd say those are those are. Definitely, they'll be here in five years. I mean, unless they're traded away for another, you know, like they're high value for a trade, technically, if you were to trade them. So that that would, I can understand you putting them where you put them because they do have trade value to them if we needed another position at any point. But um, Knox, I had on my 100% staying five. Yeah, um, I see all, all four of those players staying in five years just because they've, they're proving to be key pieces for this team. Yeah, I so, mean, even in the postseason, Gabe Davis. Exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. So having those key pieces locked up for the next five years, I think, is just essential. Yeah, and I honestly, if I if it were me, I would add motor. I would add motor in to this no. list. Singletary. I He's mean, I consistent enough. I I think towards the end of the season, though, they used him the right ways. The finesse outside rusher, and look at the, what he did. Instead, yeah, of, but he's gonna be like around thirty, and we've already talked about how running backs are expendable. Yeah, so yeah. that doesn't yeah. make a lot. Of, I mean, I mean, in a way, yes. I just think those guys. There's scenarios where those guys, to me, aren't on the team. Tyler Bass can flame out because kickers are weird, kind of like goaltenders in hockey. And yeah, it's like were... Hauschka all of a sudden just turned a corner after being consistent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and does Bean want to give him a contract? You know, it's going to be you know, 4 to 5 mil. Taron Johnson, just because he's going to be 31 cornerback position, that's kind of a little old on the older side. And then if Knox and Davis are both because of salary cap, like Knox, I can't guarantee that Knox will be on the team after next year because he's, he just broke out in a big way and he probably wants a big contract. Um, and I don't know if they would say I have to do that. And then Gabe Davis, you know, he's a stud, and he has two years left in his deal. If he has two years of, like, a 1,000 yards, he's, well, Christian Kirk just got four years. I know it's, te- it's technically 84, but it's technically 72, but four years, $84 million deal. I don't think the Bills can afford to pay Gabe Davis that. So if he wants that, that's a scenario where I don't see him on the team. That's why I don't have him at, like, a higher lock, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, I'm just saying with Gabe Davis, though, 
you're going to know the cap's going to go up. I know that means prices for receivers are going to go up. We've seen what's happened this offseason. Mm-hmm. But I think they'll make it a priority to keep him because at that point, Diggs will also be towards the end of his career. Absolutely. So then Davis could shift into that number one mm-hmm. receiver. Right, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. And that's why I have him as like a semi-lock. But the near locks, which is about 90%, uh, I have Groot, Ed Oliver, Deion Dawkins, and Tredavious White. I would agree with that. No, that's pretty good. Yeah, ninety percent. If if a really good trade comes along, I could see them maybe leaving or you know um, maybe Dion. You know, I I think back offensive line, Eric Wood, young guy. You know, still had a lot of career left technically. Had a injury, but he had an injury. So you're right. I you know th- that could happen, especially in those higher impact positions like that with the snowman. You know, so well with the snowman, he really broke out then the year for yeah Pro Bowler. After he slipped in that Tennessee game, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know he's but he's, he'll be thirty three. But as we saw with Andrew Whitworth, you know you could play long at left tackle, and left tackle is a very valuable position. Right, he has three years left on his deal, so they would need to have another deal in place. I think I think that's one you keep though. I think you keep Dion. Yeah, he's proven to be a Pro Bowl left tackle. And yeah, you, again, like you said, longevity. You have Whitworth. You he's have a Dwayne Brown. You have Trent Williams. Right, he's probably the best left tackle in the game right now, and he's what thirty four. Like and that. he's a great personality to have on that team, too. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, uh, Groot, the reason why I have Groot on here is I was very impressed with his rookie year. I thought he was very solid as a pass rusher. Oh, yeah. Very good in run Him defense. and Von Miller, I think, are going to... That's, what, that's yeah. what I think. I think he's going to grow from Von Miller, kind of yeah. be the number two, and then take over yep. for Von. I just think that I just think he's going to be... I just, I, if his tools... I think, Jerry Hughes wasn't doing it for him. I think him and Von Miller are going to be I the I think duo. Jerry was solid, but I, I, I think Groot's going to, you know, really... De- I think I, I count him developing in this... Uh, team and then Oliver, I think it's it's a good sign today as we you know another like breaking. They news. they did his fifth year option, you know yeah. mm-hmm. the fifth year option with Ed. So if they didn't take that, I would be a little more concerned. I think absolutely, yeah. but I think mm-hmm. he's going to get another contract which will take him past this time. Obviously, he's been he was their best you know defensive lineman last year, as being said. So uh, and then Trey, the reason why I don't have Trey as a complete lock is because he'll be thirty two. And that's old for a corner, especially for Trey, who's coming off major knee surgery, and is not the most was never the most I would say athletic corner. He's a very intelligent corner. On uh, that, that's he knows how I, to be in the right place yes. at the right time, not as so maybe that helps him. Maybe that helps him as his physical as maybe. his physical traits diminish. But didn't the turf monster just get him? That's how he hurt his knee. Yeah, just, yeah but like really Patrick Peter, turf, man. Patrick mm-hmm. Peterson, who's an All Pro corner, got cut at age his age after his age thirty season by the Cardinals. So I think. I would probably say he's here, but I wouldn't guarantee it. Like, my last two people on my list are completely 100% locks. Yeah, going back to the corner, I mean, look at Gilmore. He was a defensive player of the year in 2019, and mm-hmm. two years later he's traded for, like, a late-round pick. Yeah. He's still a pro bowler. Okay, my two locks, though, I think everyone has are Allen and Diggs. Just because yeah. they're signed for more than five years. And they both, I think Allen's going to end his career here, and Diggs, Diggs wants same. to. If, if mm-hmm. something, if they're not here, something went horribly very wrong. wrong. 100%. Yeah. Brandon very Bean... Wrong. You know, he's gone all of a sudden. Like, you know what I mean? Like, they, they do a whole upper office change. That's when, you know, it hits the fan pretty bad. And, you know, that's like worst case scenario, apocalypse now kind of deal, I think, you know. Something went incredibly wrong. But, you know, those are my 13 players. Even before the draft, I mean, who knows? Maybe some people that are drafted maybe make the list. Uh, but those are my, I think I think 13 is a good number. It's more than eight from 2017. I think you know they have more core pieces than they did at that time, uh, with Allen and with you know Ed, and I'll, and I think they have better depth pieces as well. So, 
Uh, does any, did you guys have any people that made your list that weren't any of those 13? I mean, yeah. He obviously, mo obviously Motor, I should say. I should, I Motor in was on there for me. You know, I just love singing that song whenever, you know, that, that playoff game, you know. But um, honestly, you hit the core, in my opinion. You know what I mean? Like, I, I would sit here and name 13 of my own. I would say McKenzie, though, up higher a little bit. I don't think McKenzie has a chance to make this roster in five years. You don't think so? No, because I think he'll be, what? 30-ish. Will he? he want, he'll eventually want a payday. Yeah? Yeah. I mean, he's making, what, two years, eight mil? He'll eventually want to... He's, I think he thinks more of himself than he actually is, so I think eventually he'll move on. I think a random player that I could see being on this roster in five years that you didn't say is, like, a DeMar Hamlin. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yeah. Because he's learning from probably the best safety duo in the league right now. Mm-hmm. So I think he'll have a legit shot at being that... Safety when they leave. Exactly. Yeah, and I agree with you. Neither of those guys, I think, are going to be here within five years. Yeah, and other guys, I guess we never... Out of my notable omissions that we didn't even discuss was any of the defensive linemen, uh, like Epinesa or Basham. I just, you know, Epinesa, I'm out on, and Basham, I'm... Yeah, Boogie. I wasn't super impressed, so he's less than a 50% chance for me. Yeah. But all in all, I think if... Though, I think if those 13 players are still in Buffalo in five years, I think we've had a very good five-year run. Hopefully hopefully some Lombardies have been lifted in the city of Buffalo. Five straight. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. Why not? Hey, we lost hey, four straight. It's listen, fair that we we're following straight. the trend. 80, 88 uh, lost in the AFC championship. AFC championship. 89 lost in the divisional round. 90-91-92-93, four straight. So and then, we get some wins. Yep, we got to win. Flip. This time we're flipping the results of those games. Though. Yep. Those games get flipped. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we'll be back with some trivia right after this. Are you guys excited for draft day? Well, we sure are. Join us this week for a very special edition of the Buffalonian podcast and get our live reaction to the Bills' first round pick. It will be airing this Friday. We'd like for you guys to come on and listen. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Welcome back to the Buffalonian pod in the same way we wrapped up every show. Some trivia. Now, I've gotten some complaints that the, the <laughs> questions have been too too difficult. Multiple viewers have complained. Mm -hmm. You know, the product is suffering from your questions. Yeah, yeah. so th these should be some softballs today. Some, I need a meatball right over home plate. some bombs, Joe? Yeah, let's go. All right, so per usual, it's a home run derby. start with the Bills question. Mm -hmm. So prior to the drought era, who was the last quarterback to start a playoff game for the Bills? Drew Bledsoe. Rob Johnson. It was Rob. It is Rob, Rob Johnson. Johnson. Been, I knew it. Right after Doug you said Flutie. it. They bunched your boy, Mike. Yeah, Doug Flutie's right now my favorite Bills player. And if you've ever watched the uh, Football Life about him, he even admits it. Wade Phillips admits it. It was a decision from ownership to start Rob Johnson. Ralph! Poor decision. Probably wouldn't have had a 17-year drought, but that's beside the point. So we move forward to question number two, Sabres question. Sabres are in a little bit of a drought themselves. Uh, last time they won a playoff series was 2007. Who was the team they beat? The New York Rangers. Capitals. It would be it the New the York Rangers. Rangers. I, knew, I knew it was right. They won in six games, didn't they? I can't, they I can't cop out and say remember, the same answer. If you remember, uh, one of the famous calls of Rick Jenneret was when Max Finneganoff scored and Chris Drury scored. <coughs> Max Finneganoff did not score that goal. That was tipped by Thomas Vanek. Either way. That was tipped by Thomas Vanek. Oh. Conspiracy anyway, theory. 
We're we're not conspiracy theory podcast here. That might be a hot take though. <laughs> that is, it's a, we're not it's Alex. A, it's Jones. not a hot take. It's the correct take. Slow slow mo it, and it was obviously we, deflected fivefold. On we are not Alex Jones. Okay, that's all you have to realize. We're not a conspiracy. I, I apologize. I jumped the gun. Yeah. So our final trivia one, probably the easiest question I'll ever ask. Bandits topic. Who is the bandits? All-time leader in points, goals, and assists. No. John Tavares? There we go. Probably, that, that has to be... Listen, I was being a nice guy. I was going to let Joe, you know, reply first if he had an answer. Cause I, you know, I don't... I, don't I, I Honestly, I've not watched a game of lacrosse in he, my life. John Tavares like, is probably I have the no best idea. NLL player of all time. I thought John Tavares was a hockey player. Uh, the uncle of Toronto Maple Leafs captain. So, oh, I, guys, easier, too easy. I think they were solid. I think every, I think you know what people will actually know these. People actually <laughs> know them. Hey, we got some responses that people knew some of the old trivia questions. Yeah, yeah, but, or uh, older viewers or yeah. more experienced viewers. But mm-hmm. I think people in our age group will have a better opportunity of getting these right. And you know, in someone else's case that don't didn't get these questions, I, I they still learn. You know, they still learn exactly. I, you know, the 07 Sabres, and I didn't even know it was back that far because they made the playoffs a little bit. Their first-round exits in 2010-2011. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that's going to do it for today's episode of the Buffalonian Podcast. Uh, remember, stay tuned Friday for our very special edition for the NFL Draft. We'll get our live reaction of the Bills' first-round pick, and uh, we'll see you then. Go Bills! <laughs>